Good morning. Again, welcome to Church of the Apostles. We are grateful that you are here with us as we get to celebrate our Lord's Day. Uh, This morning I want to read from Deuteronomy, which will be uh, the book that uh, JP will be preaching from later. Uh, but I wanted to use our, uh, that passage, a section of scripture from Deuteronomy, as our call to worship, just as a reminder of why we're here gathering, who we're here to celebrate, what, what the point of this time is. Uh, the reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God, showing no partiality and taking no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. You also must love the foreigner since you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. You are to fear Yahweh your God and worship him. Remain faithful to him and take oaths in his name. He is your praise and he is your God. Who has done for you these great and awesome works your eyes have seen? Let's pray together. Father, as we've already sung this morning, how great you are. You are worthy of all that we are, all that we have. You are worthy of the praises that come from our mouths this morning. You are worthy of the time that we spend gathering here. You are worthy of so much more than these things that we bring. And yet, Lord, we pray that you would be delighted with what happens this morning, that you would be pleased Father, that this would be a time that raises you up, lifts you up to the places where you are exalted high and above all other things that we might find valuable in our lives. Father, we just long for you to meet us here in this place this morning. Lord, we come from many, many, many places this week. Many are burdened. Many have been wounded by the things that have happened this week. Uh, There are many things that we celebrate and rejoice in that have happened to us over the past few days. But yet, Lord... You are greater than all those things. You are greater than our wounds and our hurts, and you are greater than the things that we consider prized and worthy. Uh, Father, we just lift you up this morning. Uh, We pray all these things um, as your people gathered. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good morning. We're so glad you're here and you made it out today in the rain, and uh, we're we're glad you could join us for for our time of worship this morning. Uh, as we begin, I was thinking back uh, to years ago when I, when I graduated college, the couple years after that, uh, I had season tickets to Texas A&M football. I, was a pu- I didn't miss any games when I was in school. I kind of withdrawal when I got out, and so I got season tickets, and for a couple years I went all the time, and my tickets used to be right in the end zone. I sat with a couple of my buddies from school, and you'd be up high in the end zone. You could see the whole field in front of you, and uh, I liked sitting there because what I started to notice as I sat there is you could see everything develop before it happened. You would see, and unfortunately, the the year or two right after I graduate, I could see how our defensive backs were going to get burned before the ball was even thrown. (laughs) Like you would see that, oh no, not again. And, and so, but you could see down and what you could see from that perspective was, as you're looking down, you could see the whole field and you could see everything and stuff that you would, if you were standing on the field or you were down lower, you wouldn't have been able to see because people would be blocking, but up high, you could see the whole picture. And so I just bring that up. And I, I was thinking about that this week because that's what we're trying to do. And we've been doing this series, the overview of the Bible, the big picture and moving through and what we're doing when we get up high and we see the big picture of how things are unfolding It makes these connections much clearer. We see a lot of the ways God's moving and how he's doing it and how he's going. Um, 
And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're stepping back into that series this week. If you haven't been with us or maybe you're visiting today or you haven't been here since the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the year, we started in Genesis 1, right in the beginning of January. And for about 12 weeks, we went, from, we went through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, all the way through all that in about 12 weeks. And we set a foundation and we got through that. And today, as we're picking it back up, we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy. And so we're going to look at the book of Deuteronomy. And basically, we're going to do the whole book of Deuteronomy this morning. Uh, we're going to go through the whole thing. So, uh, well, just rest assured, we just did in Sunday school the whole Bible in 45 minutes. So this should be easy, right? Just one book, no problem. But what we're going to do is really look at this big idea. But before we do, in case, in case you weren't with us or, or you weren't in Sunday school this morning, I just want to set the scene real quickly, the big, big picture, just in a couple minutes before we jump back and do, into Deuteronomy. And so what we have, the big picture, is that God creates all things. He's the creator, sustainer. He does uh, everything is made by the power of his word. We were made to be in relationship with him. That's what we were made for. And what we've done is we've ignored him. His one command, his one rule in the Garden of Eden when he made man was, you trust me. And Adam and Eve promptly didn't trust him. And in doing so, sin entered the world. And since then, every single one of us is a sinner. We've said this over and over. Sin is ignoring God and the world that he created. We've all done that at one time or another, oftentimes multiple times in one day. And so we've done that, and that's, that's our condition. And so the whole picture of Scripture that we see is that happens. And right at the beginning, God says, I'm going to fix this. And I'm going to send a Savior, and he's going to come, and he's going to restore your relationship to me. And he makes a promise right there in Genesis 3. We picked it up in Genesis 12 with Abraham. God promises to Abraham, I'm going to give you a great number of people or descendants. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a nation. And I'm going to bless the world through your seed, that blessing being Jesus Christ. And so all of Scripture is the unfolding of that. And as we followed it through, we followed through Genesis and the patriarchs uh, down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to his 12 sons. And it grows and grows and grows. And so what happens through Exodus is it grows to a great number of people. God fulfills the promise of a number of people. And so he, he goes and he saves these people from Egypt and he pulls them out and he takes them to give them to a, to give them a land. Promise number two and three are so close to make them into a nation and to give them a land. And that's where we sit at the beginning of Deuteronomy. God has pulled them out and he's brought them to this. Now, it took a while. If you know the story, they wandered in the desert for 40 years because of their rebellion and their grumbling and all these things. But God has kept them and he's protected them and he's brought them to the edge of this promised land that he promised way back to Abraham. And that's where we sit in Deuteronomy. And what Deuteronomy is, uh, Deuteronomy actually means the second law, the second giving of the law. And what that is, is we saw in Exodus, if you were with us a while back, that uh, God gave the Ten Commandments and how they were to worship and how they were come to him. Uh, to Moses at Mount Sinai and gave it to the people and set them up. Well, now he's going to recap all that. It's the second giving of the law, Deuteronomy. And so the immediate context is they're about to go into the land. And as they're getting ready, uh, Deuteronomy is really three sermons. Uh, Moses kind of sets them out and just goes through these things. And he kind of tells them and he's getting them ready for this next phase. What's next? in God's uh, redemptive history and the way he's moving with this group of people now known as Israel and what's for them. And so when we look at this this morning and we look at it, those three parts, what we're going to do, my outline, the way I'm going about this today, those three points are Moses' three sermons. So if you don't like my outline, take it up with Moses. <laughs> Actually, take it up with God because God inspired Moses to write it. So what, what we're going to see, though, is just those three big points of what he's getting at. And we can look at it like this. And this is the three headings I'm going to use. What God has done, 
or we could say who he is. That's the first one, what God has done or who he is. Uh, the second one is what our response is to be. And then the third part is there's two ways that can go depending on how we respond. And that's basically Deuteronomy. That's what Moses does. He recaps and then he says, this is what it should look like now that I've told you this. And then thirdly, this is how it can happen. So that's what we're going to look at this morning in this big idea, big picture of Deuteronomy. But to do that, we're not going to just pick one specific passage. We're going to hit on a couple different things. And if you'll notice on the back of your bulletin, as we often do, we print the, the text there. And so we're going to hit on just a few verses from a few different chapters that are all printed there together so you can follow along. Or if you want to follow along just in your Bible with me, we're actually going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and look at a couple verses there first. But before we do, let me just say this as we, as we get into Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is written 1,400 years before Christ would come. So we're talking about 34, approximately 3,400 years before today. And it's easy when we talk about Deuteronomy and the second giving of the law and the context of the people going into the land to go, eh, kind of dry and boring. It doesn't really affect me. Maybe it's not so much for, for where I am. But everything Moses says is vitally relevant for us today and where we are in our world and where we are personally. As we prepare to do whatever's next in our life, that's kind of what he's doing. He's preparing them for what's next. If you have any doubts about its relevant, let me just tell you this. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy more than any other book in the Old Testament. So that should tell you something about its relevance when we look at it this morning. So with that said, before we go to Deuteronomy chapter 7 where we're going to start, let's pray and then we'll look at these few passages together. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this book. We thank you for uh, this time and the way that you graciously show us who you are and what you've done and how we're to respond. And I pray that we would see that this morning, that we'd see clearly who you are. We uh, confess this morning that uh, we need your spirit we need your Holy Spirit to be here to open our eyes, to illuminate us, to show us what this means, to apply it to our hearts. And without that, we're lost. So we ask that you come and just move freely in this place and apply it to our hearts and show us what you would have for us. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So let's start in Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 8. What God has done or who he is. That's our first main heading. I'm going to read here. It says, for you are a people holy to the Lord, your God, the Lord, your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any of the other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all people. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeem you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And so Moses just clearly lays out for us and he tells us, and it's the first thing we want to see about who God is and the way he's working, is it says the, law, the, the Lord has set his love on you and he's chosen you and he loves you. And so what we get is he loves us, but I want you to see what he says. And it's so clear when you look at verse 7, the end of verse 7 and the beginning of verse 8, he's talking about God didn't choose you because you were some great nation or you were a lot of people or you were the best. He's basically saying he chose you when you were nothing. They were just chose you when it was Abraham, when it was one man. And so he says, I didn't choose you because of a great number or any of those things. But he says, the Lord set his love on you and chose you. And then if you look in verse 8, it says, but it is because the Lord loves you. And that's, that's the first part. God loves you because he loves you. And we say that often, and it's so important that we get that, that God's love for us and the way he calls his people here, and it's the same for us as the people of God today, 
who've been called out by Christ and who he is, that he loves you because he loves you. And the picture is that God's love for us is not conditional on us. It's him. And that's really good news. Really good news for all of us. And when you look at Israel's story and you look at the picture here, and we'll see this in just a minute, who Israel uh, is and the way they go and what's happening is what the story is, is that God miraculously saves them from Egypt and he calls them out and he does all these things for them and he keeps them and he goes on and on and on and his grace is just abounding and he feeds them and they whine and they rebel and they complain and they uh, go back to, oh, it'd be better if we just stayed in Egypt and be better if we were in slavery and all these things. And so the picture becomes real clear that God loves them because he loves them. And it's the same with us. If God's love for me is dependent on who I am, I'm in trouble. Fortunately, God's love for me is dependent on God because God loves me because he loves me. And that's the end. He loves me because he loves me. And so that's really good news for us. And that's the first thing that we see that all that we have and all there is in the way God loves us and holds us and keeps us is because of who he is. It's all about him. He's the one that loves. And so we get this beautiful picture. It made me think of a, a story that, that my dad likes to tell often. You may have, have heard him tell it before, but when I was in probably, I think I was in seventh grade and my brother was in sixth grade, we got into baseball cards. We liked baseball cards and we had an allowance of a couple dollars a week and we would take our couple dollars and go buy baseball cards and it was like the lottery. Did, did we get a good player? Did we get whatever? And so then my dad, you know, knowing that that was what we loved to have and whatever, he would buy us baseball cards for our birthday or for Christmas, and he'd buy us a nice one. I remember my brother had Cal Ripken rookie card. And if you know anything about baseball, that's a big deal. Cal Ripken was really, really good. And, uh, and so we would have these baseball cards, and he'd give us a nice one, and we'd be all excited about the nice one. And then six months would pass, and we would decide we wanted a toy or something else, or, our, you know, we were on to something else. And so we'd take the baseball cards that he bought, and my brother, I remember all, all make the story about him. I think I did it as well, but uh, I vividly remember him doing it, so I'll put it on him. But I remember Jed going to my dad and saying, hey, I've got a card that, that I'd like to interest you in, right? I, I've, I've acquired this card. Would you like to buy, you know, and it's, it's the Cal Ripken card that he already bought, you know, six months before, and it's like, I'll sell, you know, it was like a $50 card. I'll sell it to you for $75, you know, and it's like, and so the picture is that, that he would then take it, and my dad would always laugh, and he'd say, yeah, 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 I know that card. I've already bought it. I bought it once already. And so, and, and I bring that up just to say that it's, it's the same picture when we look at how God loves us and what he does and what he gives us and his grace. It's kind of like when we go, oh, well, God loves me because of this or because of this or because I did this or I'm doing pretty well. And God just looks at us and goes, everything that you do that's good or pleasing in my sight is because I'm working in you. It's all me. It's me at work in you. And so there's nothing that we go, oh, look, look what I did. And he goes, oh, it's the same thing with the, with the baseball cards. And I goes, yeah, yeah, I know. I bought those. I gave it to you. And it's the same thing with all our good works and anything we do. And so the picture we get is that it's all because of God and his love. And he loves us because he loves us. Look at verse, uh, the next one down, chapter 8, verses 17 and 18, because this just goes right with us. It clarifies it even further. It says, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember that the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so what Moses is reminding the people and what God's reminding us through his word today is that all that you have and all that you have accomplished or anything good that you've done in your life is because of God's grace. 
And when we quickly start to go, look what I've done and look at how much money I've made or how wealthy I am or the house I live in or whatever. And God says, oh, that's all because of me. It's all because of my grace that I've allowed you to have anything. And Moses is reminding them that, that all that we have and all that we are is through who God is and what he's done for us. And he keeps reminding and telling them over and over. And I want you to think as they're about to go into the land and they're about to go to this new chapter and God's doing all these things, why this is so important. And it's the same thing, why it's so important in our own lives today. And it goes back to what we were made for. When we look at the big picture, we were made to be in relationship with God. We were made to be glorifying him. That is reflecting back who he is, pointing to who he is, making much of who he is. And so when we keep this in the center that all we have and all that we are and that all that we can ever do is because of him, it turns us back to him. It turns us back to glorifying him and being centered on him, which is what you were made for. That's when your joy is the fullest. That's when things go best, because that's the way God made us. And so the picture that he's getting across and he's telling them is, please do not fall into this trap that you've done all these things and you've got all this stuff because of you. It's because of me. And you need to see that. And we need to see that in all things, that it's always God working and it's always him. And it's always him graciously allowing us to to have anything. And so the context here. In the Bible, in Deuteronomy, is God wants them to have this rock-solid foundation that all that they've done and all that they've accomplished and all that they will do is only because of God's grace and nothing else. And he wants them to make sure they see that because that is so foundational to everything we do and it's so important. It's so important to us. It's important to us as uh, uh, people and husbands and, and fathers and mothers that everything good that you do is because of God's grace and him at work in you. You may say, well, I'm not really sure that I'm even Christian. I don't know Jesus. Well, anything good you do, even apart from Christ, is God's common grace to you. He allows you to do things. He's your creator and your sustainer. And when you become a Christian, you begin to have him renew you and remake you in anything you can do. Even uh, whatever it is you do or do well. Today's Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day. And if you're a good mother, you're a good mother because of God's grace in your life. I am so blessed because I have a mother that knows that. She knows that it's God's grace, nothing else. And I've seen it my whole life. What a beautiful picture to have that. And that's what Moses was saying, and that's what God wanted for his people to say, look, it is only God working in you and nothing else. It's his grace and nothing else. So the first part that we say here, the very foundational thing, the very first thing of who God is, is God is the loving sustainer who's gracious to us that gives us all things and he loves us because he loves us and that's it we like to twist that and go oh he loves us because of some no it's he loves us because he loves us and that's the first part and we have to see that so all good that we've ever done all good that israel did anything they accomplished is because of what god was doing in their midst and that's it And so that leads us to the second part. Really, that's kind of the beginning of Deuteronomy. Moses just hammers away at that. Everything you've done, everything you've had, everything you've gotten is God, and it's God, and it's God. And oh, by the way, anything else you can't think of, it's still God. And then he moves to how should we respond to that? What should that look like in our lives? What do we do? Look at the next one, uh, 6, and we're going to look at verses 24 and 25 first. Deuteronomy 6, 24 and 25, how we're to respond. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God. 
for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all the commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. And so the first thing we look at on how we're to respond is real simply we're to trust him. He tells us some things and he says this is the way it works best because I'm the creator and I'm the sustainer and I know. So follow what I say. Just trust me. He says right there in the middle of verse 24, for our good always fear the Lord and do what he says for your good. It's for your own good. Follow what he says. Just trust him. All good things come from him. Any good thing there is comes from God. And then he tells us some things. So it makes sense that we would trust him on those things. And that's what he says. We're to trust him on all those things here. He pulled them out of Egypt. God has proven his faithfulness. He's taken care of them every step. Remember, we talked about way back when we were going over this before, when we were in the Exodus and all those things. God saves them first and then he gives them the Ten Commandments. He shows them his grace and how he loves them and holds them. And then he says, this is the way life works best. Now, trust me, it's the same thing for us. So our first response should be we trust him. But then look, and this flows, these all go hand in hand together. Look at verses six through nine in chapter six. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And then in verse 12, he kind of sums up all this. He says, you talk about this all the time. And here's why. Verse 12, take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. So we trust God. We trust that he wants what's best for us. And then we teach our children and we tell them and we tell them again and we tell them again. And when we walk, we talk about it and we say who God is and what he's done. And it's not just that all throughout scripture. Yes, it's teaching the children and teaching the next generation, but it's teaching one another. It's exhorting one another. It's coming alongside and saying, no, this is who God is. And he's so faithful and look what he's done and look how he showed up. And here he is. And we say that over and over. And that's why it's so important to be part of a community of believers so that that's happening. So we're coming alongside. One of my favorite uh, passages is in uh, Hebrews 1 and 2. And Hebrews 1 is all about Jesus. And how wonderful he is and how great he is and all that he's done. And then you get to the beginning of chapter two and it says, now let's pay much closer attention to what we've heard. And what we heard is the gospel. And what it literally says is let's become furiously obsessed about the gospel. And tell one another and come alongside and say it over and over and keep going back to it. And when we get frustrated, go back to who God is and what he's done. And we keep doing it over and over And it's not just parents teaching their children or us as a church coming alongside, but it's older men coming alongside younger men and older women alongside younger women and those more mature in their faith versus those that are new believers and discipling and encouraging and coming alongside. That's what we were made to do. That's the way we're made. We're made to be relational. We're made to have those helps and those people come alongside us. We see that all the way throughout the New Testament over and over. Make disciples and care for one another. If you're unsure about what that looks like or or how to help, I'll tell you, we talk about it a lot and I say it a bunch. That's why we make such a big deal about small groups. That's why we're doing it so that we can come alongside and we can know what's going on in each other's lives and we can encourage one another and we can do these things that we're talking about because we're supposed to do it because we need it. We need reminders and we need encouraging. 
So if you haven't checked one of those out, I'm just going to say, get, find a way to get involved. And maybe it's not uh, in a small group right now in your life or your schedule or what it may be. I hope it is. But find someone one-on-one. Find a, if you're a guy, find a guy that's a little further along from you and say, let's go to breakfast. Let's talk about what you've seen in your life. I was talking to uh, Ralph and, and Becky Drew this, this week, and they were saying, she was talking about reading her journal and, oh, all the things I've seen God do and how he's held us and he's kept us. And Ralph said, yeah, every year that goes by, I see more and more God's hand on everything in my life and how he's done it. So somebody should be going to lunch with Ralph every week. <laughs> you will benefit greatly from that. It's a great thing to spend time with those that are ahead of you and can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I made that mistake once. And here's how it would work better. Here's what God's word says. So look for ways to do that. That's the second one. We're supposed to be doing that together. But then look at go back to eight. We read eight, 17 and 18 just a second ago, but go back to eight, 17. This is the third one here. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand, I have gotten this wealth. When we really get this and we see who God is and what's happening, the third way that we should respond is with a deep sense of humility. A deep sense of humility before God because all that we have is from him, but to one another. I've said this before here, but it always bears repeating. Every single person here who's a Christian, who's put their faith in Jesus Christ, we're all saved the exact same way. It's by Jesus' righteousness for us and nothing else. So you know what that means is we should be pretty uh, humble with one another. There should be a deep sense of humility. I'm not saved by my works. I'm not saved by whatever. I'm saved by Jesus and what he's done for me and nothing else. And that should be radically unifying and humbling. And it should make us be uh, coming alongside of each other. It should make us uh, have the ability to be open and honest with one another and transparent about where we are and what's going on without feeling judged. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. Guess what? We're both saved the exact same way. And that's through Jesus and nothing else and what he's done for us. So that should lead us to extend grace to those we come into contact with. Extend the grace that we have received. That should always be the way that we come at it. So that's, that's the third one there. And then the fourth one, and this, these all go together. And they even kind of, this even goes back to the first one of trusting God. But I'll say it like this, the culmination of kind of all of them. And this is so important for Israel as they're about to go into this land and all that's happening there. And it's simply this, that we are to fear God over men. We should care more what God says than what our world says. God was trying to get this across to them so clearly before they went into the land. We don't really even understand the fullness of what they were walking into. We often think that the world's just deteriorating and it's getting worse and worse every year. The truth is man has been sinful since the fall. And it's always sinful and it's always messed up. See, they were walking into a land where child sacrifice was a very real part of life. Pagan rituals had child sacrifice. They had all kinds of horrors and awful stuff about to be where they were going. And God says, you trust me and you stay set apart and holy to me and nothing else. And of course, we'll get to it later on, but they don't listen. Oftentimes, we don't listen. We take what the world says and common sense of the world, and we let it stand over and above what God's word says. And every time, it ends the same way. It's always a mess when we do that. And that leads us to the last part, the very last part of of, uh, Moses' sermons. 
He says, you trust me and you, you walk humbly with me and you encourage one another and you teach your children and you do all these things and you trust me over what the world says. And if you don't, he says, if you do, it'll be really great. And if you don't, there's going to be all kinds of problems. And the way Deuteronomy ends, he gets to the end and it talks about blessings and curses. Look at verse, uh, verses 26 through 28 in chapter 11. I think it's the last one on your list if you're following along there. It says, see, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and a curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after the gods that you have not known. And so what God says through Moses and what he's telling us today is you trust me. You follow what I tell you. I know what's best for you. Things will go better. There's blessings that come out of that. Things will be better. Now, let me let me just quickly uh, where we can go in our sinful minds. If I follow God's law or I do the Ten Commandments, everything will be great. Everything will be perfect and I'll be really wealthy. And sorry, that's that's not the promise of of scripture. It does say he will bless you and there will be wonderful things and you'll have a joy and a fulfillment and all that. But it doesn't uh, guarantee you won't have any problems or hardships. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can't lie to you on that. But there, there will be times that there's hardships and there's hard things that we go through. Even if you're seeking and trying to walk this out the best you possibly can, there are times. But what we get out when we talk about blessings and curses, sometimes they say curses and it says, oh, that just sounds really awkward or weird or God's going to curse. Or Think of it this way. There's, there's consequences to our sins. Right? Think about uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, very beginning. God says, you trust me and you don't eat from that tree, everything will be good. If you eat from that tree, you're going to die. That's the consequence of sin. And so God says that. There's, there's consequences of what we do in our actions. And he says, I'm going to allow you oftentimes to experience those consequences. That's going to happen. And so he says, you've got this, as it says here, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. I'm setting them before you. If you follow me, there's blessings that will come from this. And if you don't, there'll be consequences. There were huge consequences for Israel because they ended up not following him. And we'll get to those later on. All sorts of problems. But it's the same for us today. Let me just give you oh, one example. And there's tons we could do. But let's just say a man is unfaithful to his wife. He decides that I'm going to go outside my marriage promise, my marriage covenant, and have relations with someone else outside. What happens? All sorts of problems happen. You hurt your spouse deeply. There's trust issues that come out of that. If there's children involved, what often happens is uh, divorce may happen or separation, and the children get caught in the middle, and they grow up in different houses and different families and all sorts of things. And so there's all these consequences that come from our actions, right? God says man was made to be with one man and one wife and together, and that's the way it functions and works best. Now hear this, though. You might be in that situation. Maybe that's you. You've experienced that. The good thing is that Jesus came and he took all our curses and he gives us blessings by his work and he can work through any and all situations and make them new. So you don't ever buy into the lie of Satan that you have to live under the curse of what you've done in the past. God can remake and restore and regenerate and he can make all things new. But that doesn't mean there won't still be some consequences for our actions. There are. And so the way Moses ends up in Deuteronomy, and it's so important for all of us to see, is that when we, we decide to trust 
what the world says, what our common sense tells us, or what we think is the best way to do it over what God says, there will be consequences. There will be frustrations and things that come out of that. You follow me, and you trust me, and you do that, and there will be blessings that come out of that. And there's always some leeway in, in how that works out. But I want, I want us to just see clearly how important that is, that God, uh, when we look at his commandments, and we look at what he tells us, and he tells us to restore and honor and do all these things, that he wants what's best for you. That's why he says, teach these and tell one another and go back to the gospel and say it over and over and become obsessed with it because I want your best and it works best when you follow what I've told you. So that's what we get. That's that's Deuteronomy, basically. God is wonderful and he holds us and he loves us. And then he says, because of that, I want you to trust me and follow me and do what I say. And if you don't, there's two ways this can go. The good news, and we're going to end here, just for us, that's kind of the big picture of where they are in Deuteronomy, but it's also so relevant for us, and we'll end with this. If you're somewhere right now where you're going, you, you can see some curses, you can see the consequences of where you've been and what you've done. It's never too late. It's never too late to turn back to him in all things and begin to submit every area of your life because he heals and he renews and he offers forgiveness. The beautiful picture of the cross, and we say this every week, let's be furiously obsessed with the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus came and lived the perfect life. He kept it all. He kept all the promises and he lived perfectly and he deserved all the blessings that come along with that because he did it perfectly. But yet he says, I will take your curses on me and I will take all of it and I will give you the blessings of what I've done and you can have perfect joy and eternal life and be restored. So no matter where you are or where you've been, God can remake it and make us new and present us blameless and spotless to his father. So don't ever forget that part. And so we'll just end there. So let's, let's bow in, in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for Deuteronomy. We thank you for that book. We thank you for your inspiration of it. We thank you that, uh, uh, what it meant for those people on hearing it uh, so long ago, but how relevant it is for us. I pray that we would um, continually uh, come back to you, that we would continually see over and over that all we have is because of you and what you've done for us and that you love us because of your faithfulness and who you are and that we can rest and trust in that. We pray that you would just uh, give us the heart to teach one another and exhort one another and to love one another and to see this come to fruition in our lives. We thank you for all you do for us, and we pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Our benediction is coming from also the book of Deuteronomy. As we leave, let's remember these words. As you go, imprint these words of mine on your heart and your minds. Bind them as a sign on your hands. Let them be a symbol on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your home when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on the gates so that as long as the heavens are above the earth, your days and those of your children may be many in the land of the Lord. Amen.